0: Good morning, good afternoon, good night, wherever you are, whatever time it is, welcome to Teacher Tired. Over on my Instagram, you guys asked one million questions. Okay, it's not one million. Sometimes it's overwhelming, though, I'm not going to lie. But I picked a couple of questions that I felt was common, or I felt multiple people were asking, and I thought, okay, it's time to answer these questions. (laughs) One of those questions was, what do you do about your lowest group in your class? What do you do about your low kids? How do you handle them? What do you do? do? Like, you feel like you're at such a loss. Some teachers handle them extremely well, and others, well, just get frustrated, or maybe they just kind of push them aside and think, I don't know what else to do. So here's what I do. First and foremost, the very first thing that I do is make it fun. Okay. You know what? Let me go back. No. The first thing that I do with my low kids is I don't consider them my low kids. I look at them as just as much success as my high kids. They can make it just as far. They just need that extra oomph that extra help, that extra support from me, from you, from whomever their teacher is or whomever their support system is, home life, everything. Okay? So that's the first thing I do is I don't look at them in that aspect what I think is, you know what? They can make it just as far. They just need that extra oomph. What is that extra oomph going to look like today? Or this week or this month, right? So that's the first thing I do. Next thing I do is I make it fun, okay? My first and foremost biggest concern with all of my students is that they are having fun, especially at this young age, okay? I want them to show up and love being there. I want them to love to learn. I want them to love to play the games and do the activities and participate and have that engagement, right? So once they're having fun, this directly correlates to their engagement. We all know the more fun the students are having, the more engagement they're putting out into whatever it is we're doing, the more they're going to learn. Okay. That is a system that has been proven time and time and again. Now if you think about it, think about your life. Okay. Think about the things that you like to enjoy. Let's say you love kayaking. Okay. You love going out on the water. You love you love kayaking. It's really fun to you. You're probably more likely to learn a new kayaking Tactic or stroke, or (laughs) whatever it is you do in a kayak, or a new skill, or something about a new kayak because it's something you enjoy. Right? You're going to sit back and learn and grasp that information because it is something you enjoy. The kids are the same way. The more they're having fun, the more engaged they are, the more likely they are to learn a task. So, with my low kids, my biggest, biggest, biggest concern is that they're having fun. Okay, something I do in my class is I take a look at all of my students. I set monthly goals for them and I consider what is it right now in this month that that student needs to be working on. Okay, all the way from my high kid, every single student, every single one of my class I do this with. Okay, I keep a running document of everything I want them to be working on. So let's say student one. What I want them to be working on is their letter sounds. okay. So I take that goal and I write it down and I say, I want them to be working on their letter sounds. Then I take that goal and I turn it into games or activities or whole group instruction. I take those, that goal of that student and I turn it into something. Okay. So let's say that student is working on their letter sounds. I turn it into a dice game. And then, in, in my small group instruction, what we'll do is we'll play that dice game. Okay. That helps tremendously. If there's one thing I can suggest, it's that you have a running document of your students. And in that running document, you include a goal that you would like that student to work out. Now, don't get crazy. You know, especially in kindergarten, in my world, there's lots of goals you could write down. Don't get crazy. Realize their age. Realize the expectation. Keep it simple. There probably is only one or two or three goals per month that a student should be working on. Because I'm not talking about the goals that they should already be participating in class, I'm talking about aside goals, right? Like my lowest students, for example, let's talk kindergarten, okay? Because this is the basic and most easiest way for you to understand it. We learn our letter sounds. We learn sight words. We learn how to spell CVC words, which are consonant vowel, consonant words, okay? So let's look at those three three things. My students cannot learn how to spell CVC words until they know their letter sounds, They have a really hard time understanding sight words until they know their letter sounds, okay? So my number one goal is probably going to be letter sounds before it turns into C words or before it turns into sight words, okay? So be cautious. Don't sit there and write a bunch of goals for your students. Think about one thing that you want them to master that month, okay? Now, again, that's on top of all the other assessments you're taking for those kids. So be cautious. Okay, so for me, let's say my lowest kid is working on, um, or my lowest group is working on letter sounds. I create the games, I make it fun, I do all of the activities, and I do that in my small groups with them. Okay, and sometimes I'll send it home. Sometimes I'll send those activities home, or I will email my parents my board games that I make from TPT. You know, those $12 board games that you buy for sight words. I will make them and email them to my parents so that they can print them out and do them at home. Okay? That's important. Keeping the parent involved in that goal is important. That's not to say that they're doing it at home, but hey, this is what we're doing in class, right? You're giving them that communication. So, this just helps my low ones so much. They love the games, they love the activities. We have so much fun with it. We play Uno with our sight words. We play Connect Four. We play Hide and Seek. We play um, Bingo. We play Tic-Tac-Toe with it. I have a fun dice game where it's like a partner game. There's a dice with all these sight words on it and they roll it and their partner has to um, read the sight word, and if they get it right, they do five jumping jacks, and if they get it wrong, they do two push-ups. Like something so crazy and just so fun, they love it. So, number one thing I do with my lowest kids is make it fun. Find a goal you want them to work on and work on one goal at a time. Keep it simple, but keep it fun. Okay. The next question someone asked me is how did you figure out what grade level was best for you? Huh. This is a a question, let me tell you. Practice, practice, practice is my answer. (laughs) Something I did when it came to deciding what age group worked best for me was my experience. I volunteered with children. I worked at camps. I experienced babysitting, nannying, and that drifted into work experience, right? Working at the school's getting my cohort or my internship hours. Um, And the more experience I got, the more obvious it became to me. I knew the older children made me uncomfortable. I lost my patience with them easier. Um, I didn't quite know how to communicate with them. It was very much so a struggle with the older I got in my children or the older I got within my experience, okay? And the younger I got, the easier I felt it was, um, i did realize you know sometimes it depends on the teacher and it depends on your preference but for me i felt like the younger i went the more work i had to do um that's not necessarily true when it comes to like paperwork or anything i just mean me personally i felt like in my personal like passion for teaching i felt like it was more work and more energy i had to give out uh, but to me that energy kind of evened out with with the comfortability I had for it. So I just kind of knew that's that's where I stood. I had a really hard time understanding why a 10-year-old couldn't understand directions. But when it came to a six-year-old getting directions, I was like, oh, well, they don't have a whole lot of life experience to understand directions. So this is the first time they learned it and I have a lot more patience with it. I knew right away that I never really wanted to specialize in a subject area like middle school or high school. So that was kind of always out of the picture for me. Um, That just wasn't what I envisioned for my teacher future. Like I didn't envision myself teaching one subject, mastering that subject and having like 180 kids. Um, What I envisioned was like tables around the room and carpet together and story time and like that classic like old-school teacher-type vibe um, of super young children. That's just something I always envisioned. Um, but I think I knew pretty early, and I just knew that the younger was better for me. The younger, the better. And But experience really showed that. Experience with the kids really kind of concluded that for me um, and really helped me out. Another question I got was see here. Let's see. Another question I got is do you feel like your age or being young had anything to do with your profession of choice? Actually, I feel like it did the opposite. My generation looks at teaching <laughs> as a overworked and underpaid career, if you know what I mean. Um so a lot of people would say something like why do it? Um, And listen, it's not for everyone, and I get that. Um, It very much so is a hard career, and a lot of people just – it's not for them. This is a very specified career, and I understand that. Um, And it's really easy to sit there and, like, look at an environment and go, no way. I'm not doing this day in and out. I'm not coming to work every single day and working with this many kids. And for what? Like, no, no way. Not for me. But I think that my age actually deferred me from teaching for a long time. I was in business school. I graduated in business school. I went into the business world for a couple of years, um, and it didn't work out for me. It was something I didn't enjoy and didn't want, and I knew deep down I wanted to be a teacher. So I feel like my age actually deferred me from being a teacher for so long. Um, And then I realized it was something I really wanted to do. Um, So it was kind of flipped for me. But I do it because I love it. I do it for the children and I do it because it is something I thoroughly enjoy. So I don't feel like my age really had anything to do with my profession. um, But I do think it kind of deferred me from it for (laughs) a little while, if you will. Um, So the last question I got is what helps you through – all the hard times in teaching. Okay. There's a few things I do on a daily basis, a weekly basis, an hourly basis that keeps me sane in this career. Okay. Teaching is rough. Teaching is hard. The teacher tired is real. Okay. (laughs) It's very easy to get inside of your head and think, And just make you feel less of yourself. Like, I'm not the best teacher that I can be today. Um, You know, I failed at doing X, Y, and Z. And it's really easy just to get inside your head. So you have to have ways of combating that, of getting out of that. And you have to have tools to just, like, whip out of your toolbox quickly in order to combat those feelings. So some things that I do to keep my sanity One huge major thing, and I know I've talked about this before, is my morning routine. Okay, I have a morning routine of something I do every single day before my kids show up. My kids show up at 7:40 in the morning. I am there at 7:20, making sure I have 20 minutes of this morning routine, Um, and it doesn't take me that long. But sometimes it does if I'm really tired and coffee hasn't kicked in. So the first thing I do, number one, is journal. I whip out my journal. More specifically, the um, Start Today journal by Rachel Hollis, if anyone's interested in specifications. Um, I, I journal my gratitude. What am I thankful for right now? Okay. Then I also journal my why. Why am I here? Okay. Sometimes it's the answer to that is because I have to, <laughs> because I'm really tired. And other times, the why is for those kids. The why is the difference that I am making day in and day out in that job. Okay. Two things. Two things. First, I journal my gratitude. Second thing I journal is my why. Okay. The next thing I do is read teacher success stories. Okay. I have this book. Um, it's called Today I Make a Difference. And let me look at who the author is. Let me see here. I'm coming over to grab it. Oh, as I dump my water. Um, Today I Make a Difference, it's edited by Joseph W. Underwood, um, but really inside this book is a bunch of different small success stories by teachers, um, and it's tiny. I mean, it's like two to three pages each individual story, so it's not that intense of a read, if you will. Um, so it's really easy just to like fly through really fast before the kids come in. So number one, I journal. Number two, I read teacher success stories. What this does for me is sets my brain up in the right direction. I first I'm saying I'm saying my gratitude. I'm saying something I'm thankful for. So right off the bat, I'm in a positive energy. The second thing I'm doing is saying my why. Why am I here right now? Why do I enjoy my job so much? What what am I contributing today? And then the last thing I do is read these teacher success stories to allow myself to realize that there's, I'm sorry, I just got so distracted. My camera, I was videotaping myself on my phone and my camera just like X'd out for no reason. Anyway, um, in this book, Today I Make a Difference, it allows me to realize the difference teachers make in the world, not just me, right? And it puts a perspective in my head of, wow, like we're doing big things right now. And this is important, and I may be exhausted, I may be tired, and this may be the fourth day that that one student has got given me a temper tantrum during the day, but you know what? I'm still making a difference. And I think that is why I am so obsessed and love my morning routine, because it just sets me up in such a positive direction. Okay? Okay. Okay, something else I do is I follow the rule of be present. I try to be present with my home life, my personal life, my relationships, my friendships. I do my very best to not take home work. I do not like taking work home. I am not a take my packets of grading papers and doing them at home. That's not my lifestyle. That's not what I want to do. I believe in order to keep my sanity, I work really hard on keeping those things separate. Okay. Yes, there are times I have to take work home on the occasion. I'm not saying it's going to be like that 100% of the time, but I try really hard to keep it at least 95% at, you know, work stuff at work, home stuff at home. So when I'm at work, I'm present at work. When I'm at home, I'm present at home. That's it. Yes, there are times I talk about work at home. I love my job. I do a podcast about my job. I use my Instagram about my job. Yes, there are times I talk about my job, but I try to keep the mood light, right? For example, right now during the coronavirus and being quarantined at home, that conversation looks a lot like, I really miss my students. I hope they're doing well. Um... I love seeing my students' faces online on the platforms that we're using, but that's it. I'm not bringing the baggage of stress home. I'm not planning while I'm at home. I'm not, you know, spending these endless hours at home for work purposes. That's not, that is not something that I want to do. So the concept of be present is something that I hold myself to to keep my sanity. The other thing that I do, the last and final thing that I do that I will preach and preach and preach and preach and preach, and please, please, please do this yourself, is that I believe what gets me through the hard times is my hobbies. I hold very true and very strongly to my hobbies, and I make sure I get them done because if I don't fit them into my calendar, I'm not myself. I'm not fully me, okay? Now, that looks like for me, my hobbies are working out, cooking, hanging out with my friends, hiking or anything outside for that matter, um, and traveling. Those are like my true strong hobbies, being with family, being with people. Um, and those are the things that refuel me on the weekends so that when I show up on Monday, I can I can kill it. I can show fully up because I am refueled, okay? Okay. Those are also the things that refuel me during the summer. Those are the things I spend my time on during my break so that I can come back fully refueled. Guys, you are a running vehicle. You have to refuel yourself. Find the things that refuel yourself, the hobbies you enjoy, so that you can come back running. You can come back fully running the show and being the bomb teacher that you are. Okay. So that concludes my (laughs) Q&A. That is kind of the questions that um, came together that I felt a lot of people were asking and needed kind of addressed on. Um, Yeah, those were just some fun questions that I had some fun answers to. So I hope you enjoyed this Teacher Tired podcast. Um, Hey, will you do me a favor? Will you screenshot this episode and share it to your Instagram story and then tag me at Joe JoTrewortha? This has been helping so many people. And guys, it's not because of me. It's because of you. The fact that you guys are screenshotting and sharing this information is making it spread, and we are helping teachers out there. The reason I started this podcast is because I felt like there was no one out there talking about this stuff, no one out there telling us how hard it was, and so we were just going into this career with all of this tactical, professional advice from YouTube and all this professional advice from podcasts, and no one out there was telling us how dang hard this career can be. That's why I started this podcast, and I want other people to realize they're not alone either. The feeling that you get listening to my podcast, I want for everyone, every teacher out there. So please, can you do me a favor, screenshot this episode, tag me, so I can spread out the word and get your name out there too. But tag me at at Joe JoeTriwartha on Instagram. Um, Share this episode or your favorite episode. You know, I don't care. Whatever, whichever teacher-tired episode that you like. But really do help me. It is a passion of mine to help teachers out there. And the more you spread it, the more I am helping. And, you know, I don't ask for much, but (laughs) that is the one thing I will ask you to do is help me spread the word. So I love you all very much. Thank you for supporting me and constantly listening and asking me these questions over at Instagram. And I hope you enjoyed.